Welcome to the Proceedings Podcast. I'm Ward Carroll, the Naval Institute's Director of Outreach and Marketing. Joining me for this special Bead Army edition of the Proceedings Podcast is the winningest coach in Navy football history, Coach Ken Niamatololo. Coach, I know you're super busy between now and December 14th. Thanks for spending a little time with us today. Well, thanks for having me, Ward. This isn't a sports show except for this edition. And let's tell our audience a little about your background. And also note that your father was a Coast Guardsman. I grew up in Hawaii. It was the last place that my dad was stationed at when he was in the Coast Guard. We, you know, And so he retired in the early 70s. And I basically grew up in Hawaii, played football and basketball and, and you know, baseball, a little bit of baseball. So is it Honolulu? Honolulu Oahu is where you were? Okay. Well, I, I eventually we moved to the North Shore, Laie, Hawaii, okay. where my, my dad worked at the Polynesian Culture Center after he got out of the Coast Guard. Are you a surfer? Uh, body footer? Uh, more uh, boogie board and body okay. surfing. Okay. Because you say North Shore. You yeah, don't think so, of Sean Thompson and... Yeah, All most everybody action. in North Shore and like every everybody, you're always in the water. Okay, but played football at the University of Hawaii. Uh, played for Paul Johnson. Right, that's and a so key connection. A key forward. connection. So I learned this offense from him, and after I finished playing, became a graduate assistant at the University of Hawaii. Was promoted and was a full time coach for three years. And in 1995, Paul Johnson was hired here as offensive coordinator by Charlie Weatherby, and. Paul suggested to Coach Weatherby that that I come with him, and I came here in 1995 and coached here for four years, became an offensive coordinator, Uh, was fired by Coach Weatherby, came back in 2002 when Paul Johnson got the job back, and Paul Johnson left after the 2007 season to go to Georgia Tech. I became the head coach after that. As we were discussing before we came on here, I, I taught here from 98 to 02, the Weatherby years, so I guess we overlapped one season, right, the 98 season? And it's ironic, I guess, that when he fired you, his fortunes weren't that great. In fact, the last year I was on active duty, I think our wasn't our record O and eleven or O and X, whatever the the other one was. I think is that the only O and whatever season uh, Navy football's ever had. What year? I mean, I want to say this was the O one football season. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but it might. So it, I mean, that's that's neither here nor there. But uh, so you've been back for twelve years. Yeah. Um, oh, and by the way, congratulations on American Athletic Conference honors. Uh, you were named Coach of the Year yesterday, I think. Um, and so that's the third time in five years that you've gotten that nod. Very well deserved. In your 12 years, if I'm looking at the stats right, you've only had two losing seasons, and that one of them was last year. So when you think about the differences between last year's team and coaching staff and this year, what are, what are the key elements there? It's always really simple in business, on teams, uh, in the military. It's all leadership. And coaches and players. And as I look back, maybe at our staff, maybe we weren't providing leadership that they needed, maybe the unity that we needed from our staff and from a senior leadership from the players, maybe not as strong as we've been in the past. Uh, Always great young men that have coached here. You don't have bad people here. But the leadership was a little bit off. doesn't make you a bad person. You know, so as I look back at two of those years that we weren't as successful, we maybe the leadership. Uh, when leadership comes from the coaches, you know, you can have a good team. But when leadership comes from your players, you have a chance to be a special team. It's um, the, the voice is a lot stronger coming from the locker room. And like I said, I don't want to put that all on the players from those two years. You know, I did a bad job in monitoring that and, and looking at maybe some 
some signs and some chinks in our armor and our leadership uh, from that. And so, so those I can see just a difference just on leadership. Some specific things in addition to that sort of thirty thousand foot leadership theme. You hired a new defensive coordinator, retooled the defense. What has Coach Newberry brought? Uh, from Kennesaw State, just to my eye, uh, the layman's eye, a lot of shifting at the line of scrimmage, more aggressive, going to the ball with the linebackers kind of thing. Um, looks like our secondary is doing a much better job, uh, highlighted by the end of last game. Yeah. Um, some fantastic interceptions. And uh, so what what has he brought to the equation? Just philosophically, off- offensively, what we do gives us a chance to compete. Running the option gives us a chance to compete against guys that are bigger and stronger and faster than us. It's it's a scheme that allows you to maybe negate some of the physical superiority of maybe some of your opponents. And on defense, it just always felt like we needed we needed option factor. That it, there had to be confusion. You had to have some disguise, some deception of what you're doing. And what Coach Newberry's brought is organized chaos. So to the naked eye or to the opponents, hopefully it looks like chaos to them. But to us, there's a system, there's a philosophy, there's organization. It may look chaotic to you, but on our side of the ball, we know, we know what we do. And what he's brought is the element of surprise, the element of confusion. And it's, it's so far, it's worked really well for us. Yeah, it, it seems like when we bring the heat, it is very effective uh, with respect to that. The other major thing i've heard you say this uh in some of your post game shows and, and on air um with cbs sports is, is malcolm getting the nod to be the full-time quarterback so last year we had zach and some other folks sort of a a rotation going on this year you've you've during the spring football you gave him the, the nod and it, it seems again it's i think the stats tell the tale that he's seriously stepped up i kind of think about uh 2017 when he started, his first game that he started, he rushed for 275 yards against SMU. And then he rushed for 250 yards against Army in the snow. And we lost, you know, we missed the last second field goal by foot. So I was my side judge, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm holding down marker. He was the guy that called those two illegal procedures and, you know, back to back there and walked us out of range in that snowy. Yeah. Uh, that was a heartbreaker, obviously. Yeah, just because from a standpoint, if we don't get those penalties, we're going to make the kick. Absolutely. We're going to make the kick. Absolutely. So, you know, but those are also some stuff we learned from a leadership standpoint, attention to detail. The most minute detail matters. But he rushed for 250 yards, and I wonder if I we lost the game and maybe from a standpoint, maybe subconscious, like, well, maybe we got to make some changes. We, he still started the next year, but I don't know if we were as totally committed to him because we had lost. And and so, you know, we kind of started out of front of bad foot, bad games, good games. And uh, I think being a little bit lukewarm with him, I, I'm sure that he could feel it. I'm sure the other quarterbacks – Garrett and, and Zach could feel that too. So we not only did a disservice to Malcolm, but to Garrett and to Zach. You know, we should have just made a decision. Hey, he's a quarterback. You're the backup. Zach, you're going to wide out. And I think this year, just you know what, we're going to put all our chips in on you. You're the guy. It's allowed him to get confidence. Uh, allowed our team to get confidence in him. And it's hard to be the leader or the captain or the quarterback if it's you're kind of wishy-washy about it. And that was that was my fault. And he's done the leadership in his style, you know, from a standpoint of he's not the most vocal kid, but his it's still saying, you know, he leads by example and his actions speak so loud that you can't hear anything he says. If your best player is one of the hardest working guys on your team, it's hard for anybody else to slack off. And so I think he's done a great job leading. 
the seniors just had service selection and uh, a Navy Athletics published everybody's service selection. Looks like a good mix of not enough naval aviation for my my eye, but uh, we'll let that slide. But Malcolm's a Marine. There's a, a bunch of other Marines. When you talk about the Brotherhood and, and the alums come back and, and plug back in and they've done incredible things overseas and during their course of uh, their times in uniform, what does that mean to you as the head football coach here for 12 years? That means really everything to me. You know, obviously I want to – I want to win the Commander Chief Trophy on the field. It's our number one goal: win the Commander Chief Trophy, beat Army, beat Air Force. But the things after to see what they do, who they become. I've been here so long, being here 22 years. I've seen the whole spectrum of what it's like to come here to go to the prep school, or if you come direct as a plebe and to graduate, to go serve. Some guys stayed in, some guys got out. See them as fathers and husbands, and how they've progressed and how they've become great uh, people in our community, in our country, to me that's the most gratifying thing of this job. And that, that's part of what, when you go and recruit, that you bake into the, the opportunity. And, and does that resonate, you think, with, uh, with the folks we want to come here, both from a sports standpoint but also from a character and future naval officer standpoint? Well, Ward, it's, it's our main sell. You know, it's even higher than the football side of it. You know, you come here, get a great education, you, the career opportunities after, there are wonderful opportunities that can set you up for 40 years. You know, we always are saying it's not about the next four years, it's about the next 40 years, and that's our main sell. And then we also, by the way, you're going to play great football in our league, and we go through those things. And if, if that's not for you, you're probably, this isn't probably the right place for you. Absolutely. You know, so it kind of works out. You know, you kind of filter out the guys that, you know, you know what, you probably shouldn't come here in the first place. So this is the Army-Navy Beat Army special edition of the show. Let's talk about how we're we're matching up against Army because after last year, the last year's game, it seemed like Army was let's just say ascending, and we were maybe having a transition year. Mm -hmm. But that's not how it's played out at all. But as we know, the Army Navy game is like its own thing. And I remember when I was a firstie, um, we were heavily favored on paper. Um, and then the first kickoff, my classmate and good friend Eddie Myers fumbled. And uh, it was a 3-3 tie at the end of that, that game. So, again, another lesson that anything can happen at the Army-Navy game. How, how do we match up? How are we preparing? What, what's on your mind going into the Army-Navy game? Well, obviously last year was uh, a very disappointing year for everybody associated with, you know, Navy football and our, and our the school. Um, but the one thing that I thought about, as bad as it was losing to them, you know, we lost them three years. The first time we lost to them, we had six guys got injured in the championship game before. It was, the, it was a fluke. I've never been involved with a game like that, you know, where all <laughs> right. these key guys go down one after another. And Well, that was the season we lost Will Worth right. a couple of games before, right? Or did we lose him in the Army-Navy game? No, no, we, lo we lost him before. The, so he didn't yeah. play an Army-Navy game. Right. So right. we lost him in the, in the American uh, Conference Championship right. game. Yes. Uh, we lost Tony O'Gully, who was the starter. We lost Dyson Romine, uh, Daryl Bonner. Uh, Tyler Carmona, who tied a, got a game-winning catch against Air Force, and Terrence Laster was our best blocker, and well, it was it was just bizarre. So we lost that game. I was like, you know what? I better tell me it sucked losing to them. But I like, you know what? We were better than we had those guys hurt. And the next year, I, I feel like we were in great position to win the game. But as you just mentioned, we had some couple penalties and we missed the field goal by foot. Last year was the first year going into the game. They were probably better than us. You know, as they were playing last year, we were there were 92, we were 3-9 and nine or whatever at that point. Um, and with all of that said, 
we had a chance to win at the end. Absolutely. We had four turnovers. And so it's like you said, you kind of throw out the records when you get to this game. Whether we're out, you know, we're having a good season or having a bad season, it's a game of itself. I like where we're at at this point. We're healthy. Uh, we've been playing well. You know, this you know teams are very similar from last year. We've you know both sides had graduations, but you know we feel like we're playing really well right now. They're uh, they had a tough loss last week in traveling back from Hawaii, so hopefully that's an advantage for us. Um, but I like where our team's at. We're we're a confident team word right now, but not not cocky. You know, I've been trying to share with them just that same message that this game you just throw out everything. You know, they're, and we know they're not going to quit, and they're not going to give up, and we're going to give everything we have. And so, you know, I, I like our chances coming to this game, though. I like how we're playing. The, the other thing that uh, we didn't mention when we were talking about what are the differences between last year and this year is the passing game. Uh, and so we run a, a triple option, but also you've opened it up. And uh, the SMU game was a good example of, you know, Malcolm can drop it in the bucket, the receivers can make some circus catches, and it's very exciting. So that keeps defenses honest in a way that maybe we weren't doing before as well. No doubt, Ward. I mean, it's we knew he's such a dynamic runner. Having Jamel Carruthers and Nelson Smith in the middle allows us to keep people honest. That's another. Let's talk about Jamel real quick, since you brought that up. That's another su- surprising success story, right? Started the year on the practice squad or on the on the JV. Uh, how did you fleet him up, and when did you recognize he was going to be such a powerhouse? Well, you try to watch things from your naked eye and just from what you see and watching film and just your years of experience. But we actually found him through our new metric systems that we have GPSs. They're called the catapults that you put on you. You kind of wear them around, and it shows you how much you've run, how fast you've run, your expenditure and output. I mean, it's it's there's so much analytics from <laughs> that's, it. That's wild. But we saw that he had some of the fastest times on our team, and he was, like, running down on kickoffs. He wasn't even doing an offensive play. We're like, wait a minute. He ran 21. That's faster than anybody this year. Oh, wait a minute. He's our fifth-string guy. Let's, let's start giving him more reps and see what he can do. And it, from there, he just – the more reps we did gave him, the better he flourished. And so he's allowed us to be inside with the breakaway threat in the middle. And we've had really good fullbacks, but we've never had somebody with that kind of speed in the middle. And so it forces you to condense. Then you have Malcolm on the edge. But throwing the football, we know that people are going to crowd the line of scrimmage. And you got to throw the ball. I mean, you can't block 11 guys. I mean, eventually you run out of people to block uh, to block them. And so it's obviously been a big part of us this year. So a couple of weeks ago, in fact, before the Notre Dame game, as, as you know, Doug Flutie was in town uh, for the, uh, the NBC broadcast. He grew up with one of my colleagues at the Naval Institute, Bill Bray, who's the deputy editor-in-chief of Proceedings Magazine, Naval Academy Class of 88. So we had a chance to sit down with him, um, and he was describing in a way that I'd never heard how the, the, the fundamentals of the triple option. And so in order to run the triple option, you have to have uh, a guy who's got that good head work. And so when you look at Keenan and the others during the time that I've been on the chain gang, you can sort of see it. There's a head work element to that. You know, um, and this is what I like in terms of the officership piece. And so it seems like what Malcolm brings is that intangible associated with that part of it. Yeah, because there's a lot of quick decisions that you're making at the line of scrimmage. Uh, You're making pre-snap reads of which way the play is going to go and what play you're going to run. And then you're determining after the play, making split-second decisions, who gets it, the fullback, do you keep it, do you pitch it. And those are all instantaneous, fast, and... 
and you're making those decisions predicated on the guy that's 280 pounds running at you. So you have to be quick with your wits. You got to think clearly and fast. And then body-wise, you got to be able to perform what your brain tells you like that. And he's done a great job. And you brought up the great example of Keenan was obviously the master at that. The other thing about that I've, I, I love, and this is the gift of being able to be on the chain gang, is seeing the team and the coaching staff at close range and watching the heart of, of the hearts of these guys, especially Malcolm. You know, he, he's taken some beatings. Uh, as, as we know, he's not a huge guy. Super fast in those lateral moves. Sometimes he gets pancaked from behind when he does the lateral stuff. But he always gets up and he's... So how's his health going into the final... final? Well, I guess, do we know what bowl game we're going to yet? Have we, have we gotten the not nod yet? yet? We don't know yet. And like I said, three years ago, we got six guys hurt in the championship game prior to the Army but Army was, didn't feel sorry for us. And there wasn't an asterisk next to that game after we lost. Well, Navy had six starters out. You know what I mean? Yeah. We lost. That's not how it goes. It was right. just an L. Right. So I feel really good this year that we are really, really healthy. And I know they have some injuries, but I feel the same way. I'm not feeling sorry for them, and I'm happy for us. But right now we're really healthy, which I'm very grateful for. And, you know, that's just sports. Sometimes you're lucky. We've been on the short end of the stick sometimes, but – Right now, we're really healthy. Thanks for the time, and uh, we'll be seeing you on the sidelines here on December 14th. Thank you, Ward. For the second half of the Beat Army edition of the Proceedings Podcast, we're here with Minchman First Class Malcolm Perry. First off, Malcolm, congratulations on two fronts. First and foremost, service selection. You went Marine ground. Breaks my heart. You didn't go naval aviation. And then secondly, congratulations for getting American Athletic Conference Offensive Player of the Year Award. Mm, Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Great it. Great stuff. So how are you feeling, first off? Are you 100% going into the Army-Navy game? Uh, I think I'm feeling uh, as well as I have um, from midseason on. Um, I think they're doing a great job with um, making sure I, my, legs are, my legs are good to go. Um, all my injuries, bumps and bruises are, are healed up and, and be ready to go out. So have you had, because I see sometimes after you get hit, you, is it a shoulder thing? Mm-hmm. What, what, what's, what's that situation all about? Uh, so that stems from the Memphis game. Right. Uh, I, took a, I took a fall and a big guy landed on top of me. Um, had a little shoulder injury, um, if you will, and uh, they've done a great job with getting it, getting it back up to par, and uh, it's not really bothering me that much anymore. So. so let's go back to the beginning. You were... Born and raised in Tennessee, is that correct? Yes, sir, Clarksville, Tennessee. Any military background with your parents? or? Mm, yes, uh, so both of my parents enlisted in the Army. Um, they both served 20-plus years. Um, were they at Fort Campbell? Is that Fort, why you guys were Fort, living in Tennessee? Yes, sir, okay. Fort Campbell, Kentucky, right. which is right on the border. Yep. So yep. Um, once they retired there, um, moved right outside base um, in Clarksville, Tennessee. My dad's from Tennessee originally. My mom's from Kentucky originally. So they kind of like settled on the border, um, and that's where I grew up. And so, how did your interest in Navy football come about? Um, so, first of all, um, I used to play NCAA, the football game, a lot. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I'd run the triple option from time to time with Navy. And uh, that's where my exposure to Navy came about. Um, and then, obviously, having a military background, the Army-Navy game comes around. Um, so, I was always tuning in, in some form or capacity. And, and so, you got recruited did you have other options? Were you recruited by other teams as well? And who were they? And, and you know, why, why did Navy, besides what you just said, uh, get the get the nod from you? Uh, so um, I was recruited by all three service academies. Uh, those were, at the end of recruiting, really my top three. 
Um, I didn't really have much, many other offers, maybe uh, some small schools around Tennessee. Upon taking my official visits, uh, being around the people, looking into the opportunities after graduation, uh, I just felt more comfortable here at the Naval Academy uh, with the coaching staff, um, you know, and the job interests I had um, coming out of the uh, coming out of graduation. Well, uh, and the yard is a cool location compared to the other two schools for sure, right? Um, yeah, I think we all went through that matrix in, in a variety of, of ways ultimately. So let's clear up the, the myth. So the first game where you marched over with the brigade and then you got called out of the stands to come put mm-hmm. your gear on. Walk us through how that went down. What what happened? <laughs> okay, so first of all, I did not march over with the brigade. The team bus um, drove me over, uh, so that's where everybody gets it confused. I didn't march over with the um, brigade. Um, I went to the team tailgate we had. Um, was eating hot dogs, burgers uh, before the game. Were you in uniform? I was what? in. Yeah, I was in summer okay. whites. Okay. Um, walked into the stadium, um, sat down, got a good seat, uh, watched the team warm up. Um, was super excited to see uh, how the team was going to do because we just came out of camp, so it was the first game of the year. Um, I was sitting down with Taj Malloy um, eating Twizzlers uh, <laughs> in the stands, and uh, I think Tago got hurt, unfortunately. And then one of the managers starts running up the uh, running up the aisle, um, and he screamed my name, Malcolm, 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 where's Malcolm? Uh, and they finally found me, uh, and he marched me down the uh, stands, through the tunnel, um, to, the, to the locker room, uh, got me suited up, and then uh, eventually got in the game. So it was, it was a great experience. So did, did Will Worth get hurt too, or who, who was the backup? You you came in right after Tago got hurt. No, sir. Yeah, who's uh, who's the what's so, the matrix there? Because somebody so, else did. Somebody else get hurt after that. No, so oh, we okay. were up by a lot. Um, and Will oh, Worth, okay. um, who was second string, was who were we playing now, again? Lehigh. Okay, okay. So um, Will Worth was the second string. Um, Tago's injury was pretty bad. So, um, so this is the twenty six seventeen sixteen twenty sixteen season. Okay, and uh, so they took Will out. Um, keep him from getting hurt or anything crazy happening okay uh, and they threw me in there and uh let me run around a little bit so and and so what was your first start my first start was sophomore season first game of the year okay um i actually got to play uh, a little bit in the bowl game that year i scored a touchdown uh towards the end of the game um and that was pretty much the summation of my freshman year um being able to get on the field but uh, my first start was sophomore year at at slotback so last year uh, we were just talking to Coach about the you know the differences between 2018 and 2019. Among the differences were the rotation of quarterbacks, Zach, whoever the yeah, third guy was, and you. And so you were not the full-time quarterback. Um, what was you know, the position we call you, the something other back? What's A-back. A-back. Mm-hmm. So during spring football, Coach gives you the nod that, hey, Malcolm, it's going to be your offense. Um, so – did something click in terms of your responsibilities and your? Because you know, I see in you, you're, you're more surefire, they're confident, you know, and you really are owning the offense in a way that maybe wasn't there last year. Is that is that true? I would say so. So, um, following last year's season, uh, everybody had a bad taste in their mouth. Um, you know, we got together and, and decided that you know we didn't want our senior season to go that way. Um, so that was kind of like motivation behind uh, the mindset change I had. Um, it was kind of like. You know, if I'm going to play quarterback, I'm going to be all in. I'm not going to have any regrets at the end of the season. So that was kind of what fueled me, you know, to, to prepare for, you know, anything that 
any defense might throw at me or anything the the coaches wanted me to do, just be prepared and, and do the best I could. The passing game is also opened up this year. How are you liking that? I mean, we had some beautiful long bombs mm-hmm. dropping it into the bucket against SMU. Obviously, you're more confident with the with the passing game. Uh, yeah, that's something, uh, you know, that came along with the mindset change. Uh, that was something I was weak at, um, something I needed to improve, and I realized that, especially the Air Force game, I think, was really what I was thinking about. They had everybody in the box, uh, really wasn't too good at throwing the ball, and there wasn't many places to run. So just kind of feeling feeling like in order for me to be um, the person I need to be to help the team win, I need to improve in the passing game, and that's something that I worked on all summer um, with guys like Taj Malloy, Chance Warren, uh, Cooper. We have the Army-Navy game on the 14th. We don't know as we're sitting here which bowl game we're going to be in. And then your intercollegiate career is over. So I've heard some whispers of, of pro options. Uh, anything that you can tell us about that? Or is that TBD? Or what, what's 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 up with uh, that, that opportunity? Uh, I would definitely say TBD. Okay. Um, as far as I know... If the opportunity presents itself, then I'm definitely uh, interested. I'll definitely. I mean, if you've been like, uh, what what is it they anoint you that said, okay, if given the opportunity, you're you're good to do whatever it is in terms of of obligation, like push it to the right, mm-hmm. just like Keenan did. That that's happened, right? They've told you that you're that that's okay going by SecNav or however that decision is made. Right. As far as I know, uh, with the rule change, um, the possibility of playing pro football uh, is a real thing, and moving the, the completions of service uh, to a later date after, you know, whatever you have going on with the uh, Professional Football League or anything like that. Um, so, yes, like I said, if, if that opportunity presents itself, then then I'm, I'm extremely interested in doing so. Okay. That'd be, obviously, that's a cool matrix. It's an op- option not many Navy football players have. I mean, I'm thinking folks that, that I've known through the years. Eddie Myers was a classmate of mine. Mm-hmm. A fan. I remember one time on Youngster Cruise, um, we're in the gym lifting weights and he's bench pressing 450 pounds and I'm spotting him, right? Probably I'm like, not, all you, Eddie, like, no lie. This is seriously <laughs> all you. You know, cool guy, great guy, played for the Falcons. Um, and then most recently, Keenan, mm-hmm. um, who the first year I did the chain gang, Keenan was the uh, the star of that year. That was the 2015 season. Yep. Um, very exciting year. And, uh, you know, he had his run in the NFL and, uh, um, you know, that's exciting and it's a tough gig, right? I mean, that's not, that's yes, even if you get into the NFL, playing a game and having a sustained career is a, is a rare thing, but for you, it's win-win because whenever that flames out, then you'd be in the United States Marine Corps. Right. Um, so when you think, I know you went Marine ground, mm-hmm. but specifically, do you have any MOS that you think would be, uh, I mean, would you want to do infantry or combat engineer? Or do you have any idea? Uh, just I'm, go to TBS and figure it out. Uh, that's pretty much the approach I'm taking. Um, just being open to whatever I get there and feel like is, is for me and what I'm most, most com- comfortable doing. So why did you select Marine ground? After uh, last year's summer training at Leatherneck, um, I think I had the best time I've had in, during any summer training. Um, I think the guys that I was around, the Marines that I was around, officers and enlisted, uh, I just enjoy being around them the most. Um, I think what they do is cool. Um, and I also think uh, what the other service selections do is pretty cool, but um, I think that's where I fit in the most. So The other thing that's going to happen pretty quick is it's going to be May and you're going to be commissioning week, Blue Angels, hat in the air, and it's all over. You probably haven't had time to reflect on your life as a midshipman, but what are some of the things as you look back on three and a half years that, that stand out to you? Definitely the, the, the friends I've made during my time here. What company are you in? 
fifth company. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the friends I've made during my time here, the hardships that we went through, just the day-to-day interactions that I have with my friends, the, the laughing, uh, the joking, and stuff like that. That's definitely something that I'm going to remember the most and uh, value the most. Well, Malcolm, I know you're a busy guy these days. Thanks for spending some time with us, and we look forward to seeing you on the sidelines and watching you on the field on December 14th. I appreciate you having me. All right, that'll do it for the special Beat Army edition of the Proceedings Podcast. We thank Coach Neil Montalolo and Midshipman First Class Malcolm Perry, Navy's starting quarterback. Remember, victory begins at the Naval Institute. We'll see you then.